The following interview was recorded on March 25th, 2022 at the International French School, Singapore. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for Parkour Ed, please let me know at c-d-a-i-l-e-y at ifs.edu.sg. Now on with the interview. Hello and welcome everyone. This is Colin Daly and I'm here with Tanteli, but I call him T. Yep, and his last fine. name, I don't even ever try it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him to introduce himself so we can hear the proper pronunciation. Go ahead, T. Okay, my name is Tantali, which or, is uh, originally from Madagascar, so the right way to pronounce it over there would be Tantel Laupsu. Oh, wow, that's very different. completely different. <laughs> so we also call you Telly sometimes. Yes, that's Due true. to your, perhaps your famous haircut, which is... Uh, uh, yeah, looks, looks like Savalas. Telly Savalas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kojak. Kojak. So there's T, there's Telly, there's Tantel. Tanteli, and, and the one from Madagascar was? Uh, Tanteli. Tanteli. Okay, the accent yeah, the, mark is the, the end of the word, the emphasis, the stress is on the first two syllables. I okay. Guess. Well, I have to say that all of my students who have you as a teacher have no trouble pronouncing your name at all. <laughs> they practiced, I guess. Monsieur Raoubisoa. <laughs> <laughs> but since they always speak to me in English, they, they say it right. I, I haven't called you Mr. T yet, no, though, that's so fine. That, that would work. Well, thanks for coming. I started doing this with colleagues in English, not necessarily English-speaking colleagues. Mm -hmm. And many may not recognize the fact that you're English-speaking, but you're also French-speaking. You don't have much of a French accent when you talk. So I kind of have you if can, I want. You can put it on if, if you I need to. to. Right, right. It is very easy. And so my original purpose was to have these discussions to get to know people and also to put them out there so that others would listen and maybe hear something that a colleague said that brings them closer together and sparks a conversation. Since we all have a different path that led us here, that's kind of the jeu de mots pun of parcours. What was our parcours to get here? And parcours is also the French sport of jumping off buildings and avoiding capture. So the idea of how did we get here? Uh, what was our path to get here? And also just build some common ground so we get to know each other. So I'm really happy you decided to join me in this reboot. We're launching it again as COVID starts to fade into the distance. You were first on my list of people I wanted to talk to. Oh, thank you. I'm very flattered. Let's get started. Start with the basics. Born in Madagascar? Is that no, what actually I'm... I was born in France. Born in France? Yes. Okay. Tell yes, me about my that. My parents moved to France back in the early 70s. Their, the families in Madagascar, when they could afford it, they send their kids to study in France. And my parents stayed for quite a while, for nine years. They both have PhDs. And I was born in the middle of their studies. So, oh, wow. Yeah, middle of the 70s, I was uh, unexpected. And here I was, right. born in France. They came back to Madagascar. I was probably five or, yeah, around five, I think, 79, yes. So I lived there for a couple of years, and then uh, we came back because it was very troubled times in Madagascar. So I, I came back to France, and I spent the, the rest of my life in France until the age of 18 or 19. Okay, so you live most of your life in France, which yeah. is short I wouldn't say most of my life now because well, I'm now, pretty well, old, of course. Your developmental years, I suppose. Yes, yes, yes. And your parents are still in France? Yes, they, they live in France. Do you have yeah. brothers or sisters? Or? I have two brothers. And so they were born in France too? All bo oh, yeah, they were all born in France a few years after me. And the last one is pretty young, so uh, oh, great. big difference, age difference. And uh, what part of France? Uh, it's Toulouse. It's West. So I'm a Toulousan like many of the uh, teachers here. Yeah, rugby fan? Uh, yeah, kind of. Oh, okay. uh, didn't play because... Uh, I'm not built for it, but uh, I'm a great <laughs> fan of uh, rugby, of course. Uh, so you did your studies in France. How is it that you speak English so well? I'm not trying to compliment you. I'm just yes. stating a fact in that 
a lot of people who studied English their whole lives in France and then worked abroad for a long time, they still managed to keep a pretty strong accent. Did you just have a good ear or did you have more of an opportunity uh, to speak know. English? I don't know. I guess I've uh, always been interested in uh, different languages and probably because my parents both spoke uh, French and Malagash. Mal- probably got the ear for the, the, ear for for the language. But your parents speak English, I assume, as well, uh, right? No, not, not, not really, so much? Mon- not much. Okay. So it's not really, in, in Madagascar you speak French. It's oh. not like in Mauritius or uh, oh, other okay. islands in the, in the oh, Indian Ocean, like Seychelles. Or, I see. So it's basically French. My taste for English, I really liked English, and actually I wanted to study English back in the early 90s or late 80s when I was in Seconde. I wanted to st- study, back then the back was like, there was like L-S-E-S, and even before that, you were studying like back C for ABC and and ABC yeah. ABC and I wanted to do like A like uh, I want to study English or any other languages but my parents told me no you know what uh, there's no future in that no you should uh, study science and math do uh, math uh, back C like that. Do you know the, the, the usual saying uh, back C or math and science and physics open all the doors and right. my parents said no you shouldn't do this but I wanted to so I pushed back and I said, okay, that's fine. And I studied, I passed my BACSE back in 92. And then I studied computer science. And I had the chance to do an Erasmus exchange in High Wycombe in England, uh, not ah, far from London. I see. So that probably helped your yeah. English too, right? Yeah, I stayed for quite some time there. And that was a good experience. I met many friends who are still very good friends more than 20 years after that. So I was attracted by... The fact you discover other cultures, you speak other languages. I was a roommate with a Swedish guy, a Spanish guy, and then a Dutch guy. So that was the very beginning for me of, uh, okay, I want to live. I don't want to stay in France forever. I want to study or live in other countries. And it was a great experience. And I came back, finished my DUT back then, computer science, informatique. And then I finished my bachelor degree and I had a, a chance again after that to study for another year for Erasmus again in Holland, what? Rotterdam. So I learned a little bit of Dutch, but basically everyone over there, yeah, they speak, they speak pretty, English pretty, pretty, pretty well. English, yeah. like, uh, Many of them speak French too. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it was another great experience. And after that, I said, okay, now I've, I've done those two things, two years, spent two years. I started working. So first in computer science for several years. So were you working for a company? Yeah, for or? different companies, okay. internship first, and then... Uh, so when you say computer science, is that programming? programming. Yes, programming. And, and programming is something that is done by people all over the world, but is there a common language? I mean, I know there's computer languages, mm-hmm. but when programmers are communicating with each other, if they're working in companies... It's, a, it's basically English. They're because, all speaking yeah, English yes, together. Yes. Russians and Chinese and Germans the, yeah. and French, they're all speaking together in English. Yes, so. exactly. Right. You have people from different backgrounds and the common language, the usual language, even when you program, all the languages like Python or C or C++ are basically English or kind of English. Back then we didn't have internet, but on the internet now you can find everything from every country, any country you can find a programmer and even if he's from India or from any part of the world, it's written in English on any oh, form. Interesting. Do you notice that your students here, especially your younger students, those with maybe a stronger grasp of English, have an easier time when they're learning yes, computer yes. languages with you in your for class? Sure, for sure. Most of the, the kids here, because they come from 
different backgrounds, they've lived in different countries, they speak many languages. It's easier for them to learn languages, I guess. Once you've learned one, another one, then it's, it's always easier. So programming is basically the same. You learn the vocabulary, which is how you place your words, how you program, but it's basically vocabulary. And then the thinking, the way of thinking is always the same. Actually, when I came to computer science and programming, it was like learning another language for me. That's why I found it interesting. Wonderful. So languages, they're all the computer languages mm-hmm. that you've used and worked with. And of course, there's French and English and Malasi. Do they say Mal- Ma- Ma- Malagash? Malagash. Malagash. Malagas. Yeah, because it's Madagascar, but I think you can say Malagas or... Malagas. Yeah, Malagas, because it, in French we say Malagash. But I'm assuming that's kind of a family level mm-hmm. because you spoke it at home, perhaps, mm-hmm. with your yes. parents, and mm-hmm. probably not all the time. I understood better. I think I can understand pretty well, everything okay. right Was now, there a big even. community where you grew up that you would have uh, like holiday yeah. celebrations or meet with extended family? Yes, my Man. parents were the only ones who stayed in France after the studies. So they met other people, not, not only from Madagascar, but they were in a Catholic church in France where we met other people from other countries. And it was a small community, even though Toulouse is one of the major cities in France. We stayed together. My parents, they always spoke in French to us. But sometimes speaking their mother tongue, I could hear that. And that's why I think I understand better than I speak. But I've never tried to speak. I mean, I guess if I speak the language of my parents, I, I should have a little French accent. Yeah, it'd be good to practice if you go there and have mm-hmm. a chance to go there. I'm not sure how often you get to go there, but things aren't doing so well there. Now yes. At the moment, there's famine and there's drought, yeah. and it's hard times in Madagascar yeah, it's one of right the now. poorest country in the world. And uh, it's a shame. Yeah. It has potential to be yeah, a wonderful it's a, place. It's a beautiful country. I only, the last time I went, it was in 2017, like five years ago, with my daughter and my wife and my parents, too. It was only the second time I went there. The last time before that was... Uh, 20 years before that in 97 and the very first time was back in the late 70s when I was still a child. I don't I know see. much of the country. I'm more of a Toulouse. When you look at me, you, you see my face. You see I, I'm from Madagascar, obviously, but, right. but I'm more You're, French. That's interesting that you are in a similar situation. Say a lot of our students here and, and my own children who grew up or Franco-American kids here in Singapore went to the LFS, which became the IFS. And now they are living and studying in France, and Mm -hmm. their first reaction to living in France, where they'd never lived before, is that it was strange. Yeah, you feel like a stranger. So it's an interesting kind of a third culture kid, Mm -hmm. a 3CK uh, thing. So you could probably identify with our students Mm -hmm. really well in that sense. So you studied abroad. You're interested in languages. You studied computer science programming. You worked in the UK, in England. Mm-hmm. And then you worked in companies in France. And then something happened. Because now you're happened. a teacher. Yes, so exactly. What happened? <laughs> I became a teacher. I was working in French Guiana, too. French Guiana, computer programmer. Oh. And then came back because I was separated from my wife, who was already a primary school teacher so I came back and I decided okay I'm gonna be I want to be a teacher now I want to spend more time with you so uh, that's how it started and after a few years in a remote place in Cantal after being a certified teacher we had the chance to okay what if we could work abroad as teachers that's how it started and uh, we started with the Codofil maybe you've heard of it no uh, I don't know Codofil Codofil is the f- program in Louisiana Council for Development of French in Louisiana so right. it's a very old program 
I think it was in the 60s or... So now, I, I don't think we mentioned that. Your wife also yeah, she's a is a teacher, teacher at here. IFS, at IFS. And what's her name? Sandrine. 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 Raubissoa. Raubissoa. <laughs> but she, I don't know. Does she go by her maiden, maiden name? Penacchio. Pen Italian Penacchio. background. Okay. And your daughter, of course, is a student here. We know your daughter. CZM. In CZM. So you weren't the only ones who are at the school who went through that program. Yes, the the Vosels went through the program yeah, too, I've and met some. Uh, and uh, the Guinea, David Guinea, who is no longer yes, here, he's yes. back in uh, Seattle. Now. We actually were from the same. We went there, probably the same year, yeah, two thousand six. So tell us, tell us about Louisiana. Why are people speaking French? Uh, the, obviously, the yes, history, but uh, the, the history, of course, the Cajuns. I think I'm not exactly the well, one that right, but should the, tell about the history, but I know a few things about it. It's the Cadian. Cadians came, came down from Canada. from Canada, down the Mississippi River. That's right. And they arrived in Louisiana. And there's still some people speaking French, even though it was pretty complicated back in the 50s or even before that to speak French in those regions. French was something forgotten, but still in the background of many people in, in Louisiana. I think it started can, in the 60s, yeah. can almost be compared to, say, Breton. Yeah, exactly. In Brittany, they want to maintain the culture. They want uh, to maintain the culture, exactly. And so they brought you. So year after year, they had French uh, people from Belgium, Switzerland, even from French-speaking African countries, Senegal, and other countries. So we were every year probably about 50 teachers teaching in every, oh, it's, it's called parishes, not right. counties. We were in New Orleans Parish, so we were working in New Orleans my wife and I. But we met the Genia actually the same year in 2006. We were from the same promotion, if we could. Right, the uh, same, same cohort, yeah. Cohort, exactly. Yeah. So 2006 until 2009. And we were very good friends and um, we lost contact. But after when we came to Singapore in 2013, we realized they were here too. So right. seven years after that. So how long were you in New Orleans? <laughs> in New Orleans, we spent three years. 2006, 7, 8. So uh, did you come back to France? No, after, after that, yes. We came back to France. We had our uh, adorable Zélie. She was born in 2010. And then uh, I think it was like six months after she was born, we moved to Norway. Norway? For three years. Now there's a yes. switch. <laughs> exactly. different. <laughs> Where in Norway? It was in uh, Stavanger. It's uh, the southwest part of Norway because they had a French school, but it's not like Lycée Français, not like the one in Oslo, which is AEFE. Uh, it was more from the oil company. Uh, total. Oh. It's called École d'entreprise. École d'entreprise. Mission Laïque. Mission Laïque, yes, Laïque I remember. Okay. So it was uh, a smaller school, I think. Smaller school, very small school. But yeah. still full-on French curriculum. Exactly. Whereas in New Orleans, you were in an American school. Yeah, it was an American and, public school. And I assume you were, were you teaching French I, and computer science? I, I was teaching computer science. Computer science and, in uh, French. In French. Okay. And I also had a few lessons in English, like okay. uh, programming in sure. English, which is... And what were the schools like? Were they rich suburban schools? Not exactly, not all of them. Or were they uh, inner city, hard knock schools? Uh, or was it kind of a mixture? It depends. Uh, Did they ship you around yeah. to different schools? It was depending on your CV, I guess. They wanted to put me in this kind of upper class school. But uh -huh. you could end up in the center in downtown New Orleans in some really hard one uh, with kids' uh, complicated lives. But yeah. I, I was lucky enough to get that one. 
and yeah. that gave me the chance to improve my English too. Well, being in England and, and working in, in programming and then also being in the United then, States yes. for three years already. And then, of course, in Norway, I assume you're speaking mostly English outside of the school unless you learn yeah. Norwegian. How's yeah. your Norwegian? I also learn Norwegian, but it's pretty hard when you don't speak. I mean, if, you, if you've had some German, if you've learned German, uh -huh. I guess it must be easy. But for me, it was kind of complicated. And just like the Dutch, everyone speaks English. As, as soon as they know you're not from Norway, they switch to English. So it's easier for everyone. Even if you make the effort, you try. And you try to say something in Norwegian after just the three words, they switch to English. So how long were you in Norway? Three years in three Norway. Three years in Norway. Yes, we couldn't stay more. Because yeah. it's a three years contract. Three years contract. The taxes are pretty high in Norway, so Total was paying a difference for us, but it's only for three years. And then from there, you came? From there, we came to Singapore. To Singapore. In 2013. So yes. nine years now. Nine years, exactly. All right. Well, that's a long and windy road to get here. Now, I know I've heard bits of that told to me before, but this is the first time I've really had it all laid down as a roadmap in front of me, and I can see it. I want to swing back to French Guiana. I'm curious about French Guiana because it is, I think, the only country in South America where they speak French. And there's also a strange link between my hometown of mm -hmm. St. Paul, Minnesota and French Guiana in that there are large Hmong populations that yes, migrated right. after From the Laos. Vietnam conflict. They were in, in yeah. camps in Thailand for another five years and then mm -hmm. they closed the camps in Thailand and they went all over the world. But in the United States, the Lutheran Church, I think, had a lot to do with the immigration and helping mm -hmm. them get established. And so they ended up regrouping in mm -hmm. various parts of the country, especially in St. Paul, Minnesota. And so there's a large community and now they, 40 years later, They are very active in the city government and, and, and a wonderful part of the community. And I've heard in French Guiana, they were able to maintain a lot more of their traditions because the, the terrain is similar. It's the similar, climate, even the heat, the heat. <laughs> and the humidity is the same. Really? It's just like in Singapore, but with hills and mountains, like some part of, the, you know, of French Guiana. And how long were you there again? Three years. So did you get to know uh, the people? Mainly or? my colleagues were from... French Guiana or from France, but the Hmong, they lived in a small part of French Guiana. It, it was actually, I think it was complicated because they gave those people when they arrived, mm -hmm. I think it was in the late 70s, that were called boat people. Right. And originally they, from, from Laos. From Laos, yeah. And then, yeah. And then centuries before that, originally from China, but yes. they... They chose to migrate instead of assimilate. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were being forced to assimilate, and so they said, no, we're out of here, we're going to go to Laos. And, and the same thing happened in French Guiana. I think the French government gave them, a, I wouldn't say a small piece of land, but a place where they could grow and, and live, grow their different kind of crop. Most of the vegetables and fruits in the Cayenne market came from the dead part. Wow. 20 years or 25 years later, Most of it came from those hard worker uh, Hmong. When you look at where they lived, it's like a piece of nowhere. It's just a piece of land with nothing and forest and really hardworking people. But they didn't really mix with people. They had a small school. It was a remote village, actually. I see. So very complicated to... Where I'm uh, from in, in St. Paul, it's a bigger city. It's urban. And, and there were growing pains. There were difficulties with assimilation. But at the same time, they weren't alone. The Hmong were there, but the Cambodian and the Vietnamese were all there, too. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of got lumped in together. When you say the word boat people, that was a lot of different different cultures that didn't really have much to do with each other mm -hmm. historically. But now, teaching in St. Paul, Minnesota, you have 
Hmong colleagues and Hmong politicians and Hmong city council members and board members. It's it's really just, it's nice that revitalized an urban center that was kind of in decay back in the 70s. So when you came to Singapore, you began teaching techno. Was that something yeah, you were always taught? Technology. Technology. Uh, yeah. And, and now, do you always teach in English or in French or both? I think it's been two years now that I've stopped teaching in English. But So now uh, you're only yes, teaching in French. I, I only see. teach in French because now I mostly teach computer science for lycée, Terminal and Première. But I still have some CZM right. for the subject called science and technology, but it's in French. I think we stopped uh, teaching the, D the DNL in English a couple of years ago, right before COVID, I think, because the... the SI kids uh, were too much exposure to English. I so see, I see. They yeah. had to uh, balance. Now you're mostly doing programming with the lycée kids. Uh, yes, the lycée, though, it's uh, all in French. There have been a lot of changes in the program. Where does your subject matter fall in the grand scheme of things in our new baccalaureate? One of the goals of the new bac, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was to avoid this overstuffing of the C lane or yes. the mat or the lane, S. Yeah. the S, yeah. because everybody thinks that's the way to have the most choice. It's a way to split up the, the subject so that you can do a literary thing, but you can also do a scientific thing and, and you can mix and Or match. you can mix up any subjects you want. So where does what you are teaching fall into things? I with think the, it's more... With, um, the, say, what, with a kid's parcours, with mm -hmm, a kid's mm -hmm. path that they've chosen once they get into lycée. I think computer science is pretty important for the kids, even though they don't want to be programmer or professional. We, we don't uh, teach them programming. We give them the general knowledge, but it's more than a discovery. You go really deep into the programming and the language and everything, but most of the kids I have take computer science in première. They mix it with math, mostly, because the link is pretty obvious. Math and computer science, it's very close. These are two subjects pretty similar in many ways. I have other kids who want to learn biology and maybe mix it with computer science and English. But I think it's a good thing because it opens your mind to other things. Before, maybe with the former baccalaureate, you had to, like you said, you had to choose, I want to be in the science literature or economics. Now you can just mix up a little bit. It seems like there were always some students who were brilliant and mm -hmm. they were just brilliant students and they, they were cut out for literature. I mean, they were cut mm -hmm. out for a linguistic study and they just were high-performing students, but they were oftentimes pushed into the scientific stream because mm -hmm. they were such good students saying, well, you're so good, the scientific stream will be easy for you and then you'll have way more choice. Whereas students who struggled academically were often pushed into the literary stream under the idea that it was easier, when in fact, to it's, do it well, it's not easier. It's not that easy. It's yeah. not easy. It's I heard that many times from my dad, so I guess. Right, right. <laughs> If you want to be an English writer, you can, you can do that after you get yeah. your math degree. <laughs> get your math degree first, or electronic degree, or engineer degree, right. and then you can switch to anything you want. But for now, just, yeah, I heard right. that. Yep. I think a lot of our colleagues have probably grown up with that idea. A lot of the parents of our students probably remember that when they were kids, and hopefully we're moving away from that, but you know, we'll see. So that's the academic side of things. What do your students have to do before they graduate? Is there a big test at the end of of terminal yes. or is it control continue is it a mixture a mix yeah it's a mixture but yeah. basically for all the specialties, specialties yeah. Yeah. there's a big part of control continue in right. pre premiere 
And in Terminal, the, the whole control company is about 50% of the final grade. Right. And then you have a big exam, which usually is in late March. But due to COVID, this year it, it has been uh, delayed to May. But it's a written exam, a three and a half hour exam, and then uh, a practical exam in front of a computer for one hour. And so they have to write part. different okay. programs. So it's pretty hard. You have to work hard to know everything about computer science because we cover so many different... Uh, right, right. What is your class look like? Is it mixed? Is it young men and young women? That's or is, the thing. Is it mostly young uh, men? We, we barely have uh, a couple of young girls. Okay. It's really hard because I'm, I'm really uh, trying hard to... But I think I'm not the only one. Everyone in science, in math, we have a hard time finding girls interested in math or computer science or physics. And I think it's a shame because when we have those girls, most of them, or if not all of them, are pretty good, are pretty intense. And they're not like the boys, especially the boys, you know, you go, okay, we have to do this. Uh, this is what we'll do today for the next two hours. And they go right in front of the computer and they just run into and try. And they don't mind if they make mistakes the girls first, they think. And that's what you have to do in computer science. You don't just go in front of a computer and try and right. try and errors. You have to think a little bit so, in yeah. advance. The, the boys are just throwing stuff up against exactly. the wall, hoping exactly. something's going to stick. And the girls are actually trying to solve <laughs> trying some problems. Trying to solve the problem before they got to uh, the computer. I sense there may be a father in front of me who's going to orient her, his daughter his towards daughter? math yeah. and computer science. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't want to be like my dad who said, no, you have to do this, but I'll give her the choice but you do she need, will make you her do, own choice. do need some uh, more girls in your in of your course class. we need girls and uh, yeah well that's really interesting to me thanks for telling me about that now i want to move on to things that are less academic or less oriented towards the school itself because i know you are a man with many passions oh. and pastimes and interests outside of school and they merge obviously they merge but i know that you're a musician that you play the bass. Just like I, you. I know that you're a blogger and you have a very popular blog. And if Popular, I wouldn't say that. It's it, a, just a... You also have a presence on social media mm -hmm. and I'd like to hear more about that because that's been something that has brought you uh, into a, a realm of being known in certain areas for certain reasons. and So tell me about it. I, now, your blog, is it in English or in French? No, it's in French. It's it, in French. It was, actually, I started a similar blog back in 2006 when we were in New Orleans. Back then, it was very popular to have a blog. So I said, okay, right, this right. is a way I, I can share my experience of living in the U.S. with my friends from France or from other parts of the world. That was the best way for me to share my our experience because we were two back then, yeah. not three. Right. I think after that first experience of blogging, I said, okay, why not do the same thing here in Singapore? And uh, it started like this, just like private posts, like, okay, this is what happened here. We had the Hayes episode. We had many different things that surprised me. Hi. Just write about it. Or mostly it was, lately it was before COVID, travels around the region in Asia. So that's how it started. I, I find that it, when I've looked at it, it's well written and it's interesting and it's can be something to share with family and friends. Anybody can find it interesting. Mm -hmm. Is it open to yeah, the public? It, it is open. And uh, do, you, do you have a lot of readers other than, you know, your mom and dad? Because <laughs> it seems like you do. You have a, you have a Twitter account which is a, a fun pun, which is Singaporean, mm -hmm. but it's spelled 
C'est un gars. C'est un gars. Pour rien. Pour rien. So you can be found on Twitter. So do people contact you through there after having read stuff that you've written? Yes, it happened to me, uh, I think it was in, back in 2015. A journalist from France 2 contacted me to get my input on being an expat living in, in Singapore. French expat living in Singapore. So I was contacted by this woman and she spent a couple of days trying to understand uh, how we live here, the restrictions, is it that hard or is it easy? Because from the French perspective, Singapore felt, for her at least, like you cannot do this, you cannot do that, so many laws. So I told her, uh, this is what I've experienced in my two or three years back in 2015. And she said, okay, I want to hear more about that. And she came and she filmed us going to the market. So they, they did like a whole reportage, uh, exactly, right? Exactly. Oh, okay. And that was aired on France 2? France 2, yes. In 20, I think 2015 or early 2016, filming. Uh, Uh, yeah. So, uh, yes, some colleagues, when they meet me for the first time, they like, oh, you're famous, I've seen I've you. I've seen you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> And because basically my blog was supposed to be, you know, I, I put nothing private, like I never put photos of my daughter or my family. I try to put just my, our anonymized photos. Yeah, from what I've read, I believe that it really depicts, you know, the things, I mean, we've seen similar things and it resonates with me what you write. I kind of identify, I can see mm -hmm. the same things. And so I, I like it and other people can get a lot from it too. Mm -hmm. But it's not, it's not just a private letter home. Yeah, it's I'm not, not, I'm not those... a big fan of the me, myself and I. Yeah. I just want to share if some people are interested in reading it, that's fine. If not, they can just... It's generally positive. Your goal isn't to shock or criticize. Mm -hmm. It's just to observe. And so music-wise though, mm -hmm. you're a bass man. Play the bass. Uh, yeah. Basement, I wouldn't say that. I'm still learning. <laughs> well, of course. We all are. We all are. But you've done tutorials. So you're mm -hmm. on YouTube. You've got a, a YouTube channel where you put up some bass tutorials. And I have to admit, I've followed some of them and tried oh, really? to figure some of that stuff out. Yeah. Okay. I enjoy that. Okay. I enjoy that. I love playing bass. And actually, I started pretty late. I was over 40 when I started and mm -hmm. actually started with a group of teachers here at the French school. Did you play guitar before a little no, bit? No, I've never. I, I you started no, with the bass. Uh, musical background whatsoever it's like a language isn't it yes i think it's you hear it you li i've listened to music my whole life so i, I right. love music of course obviously but i started playing bass at the age of yeah 40 something 42 so it was just a group of teachers oh we want to create a new band do you want to be part of it i said uh yes uh, when i was 20 i had some friend who had a bass and i think i would like it uh, maybe i'll try so yeah. i we went to a chinese studio at, in, in yeah. Keilang, yeah and uh they have uh, all rusty uh, <laughs> uh, basses. That's how I started. And I said, okay, maybe uh, uh, that should be fun. It yeah. should be fun. I, 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 I might like it. And I've always liked the kind of uh, music where bass is a big part of the song. And I assume you enjoy the camaraderie of playing with your friends, even if, you know, you're not becoming, you know, the next... Uh, no, I don't want to uh, be a professional. Marcus yeah, Miller. never be a professional. But, but, uh, but it's a good way to spend time. And unfortunately, we were denied that for quite a long time because ago. of COVID, but uh, it's coming back now. So you are keeping up with the music and you're pretty athletic too so you're running around athletic, town you uh, like to not keep as in much shape <laughs> you're jogging and walking and hiking and yes, riding and things like jogging that jogging because well, I had no choice because I really don't like running around like this I prefer to play my family is a big uh, basketball family so yeah my brother one of my brother was actually in the French national team oh, really? under 17 then he stopped playing basketball at school too so so do you play still 
I used to play basketball, but I'm more of a volleyball player. Okay. I, I do a lot of sports, but I'm not very good at I'm uh, pretty average in all of them. So do you play with any other people in Singapore, uh, or volleyball or basketball? I played volleyball in France, in the U.S., but um, not in Norway. Too, no. too cold, I guess. I don't know if the school, uh, the after-school activities, they have yeah, volleyball start, here? We, we started this again two or three weeks and ago. And they have volleyball? Yeah, yeah well, we, you, we And do you play? I, yes, I play with the primary oh. or secondary school teachers. Oh, great, great. I didn't know about that. And are there any things that I've missed? Are there any other uh, no, I used to be. I used to be, until last year, I used to be a basketball coach for the French school. Oh, you did? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, I was coaching with Monsieur Daniel Marbois. He was coaching the lycée. A team mm -hmm. lycée, and I was coaching the college. So uh, we went to some events in the region, uh, tournament, basketball tournament in Shanghai, in Kuala Lumpur, before COVID, of course. I always loved team sports, and basketball was one of them. It was running in my family's blood. But I switched. I was like a rebel. I switched to volleyball. I'm yeah. a trader, and I did some other sports like tennis. Or yeah. I tried football here, but it can be very hot. It can be on yeah. Sunday at 11. Well, thank you very much, T. I appreciate you making the time to come and talk to me Thank and you for giving me a chance to, really to record flattered. this. It's fun for me to hear the whole story, get it all in perspective, and I hope that others will enjoy listening and maybe reach out and touch on some things they may have in common with you and make this place a little less big. And once we open up, have more of a chance to get to know each other again. So there's sure. a lot of new faces around yes. campus. Maybe now with the mask down, we could we see actually, actually see people's faces. <laughs> All right, that's something to look forward to. Well, I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thank you, Colin. All right, bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Parkour Ed with Colin Daly. If you have any comments or feedback, feel free to email me at cdaily at ifs.edu.sg. And if you liked Parkour Ed, please share it with your friends. Until next time, bye now.